We all love a good rescue story. If you think about all the books that have been written about people being rescued and all of the TV shows that the theme around the show is about people being rescued, one rescue story after another. In fact, one of the earliest memories I have of television shows when I was a kid was actually a show called Rescue 911. I don't know if any of you remember that back in the day. I mean, I, even in my early 20s, I can remember that. No one thought that was funny, okay? Uh, and movies. Think about all the movies around the, the, the idea of rescue. I mean, it's really what all the superhero movies are about. Right? We, we love the drama. We love the suspense. And man, don't we love the celebration at the end when the rescue happens. I've actually been in movie theaters. I don't know if you've had this experience. I've been to movie theaters where at the end, in the rescue happens, and they're saved, and it's fine, and they made it back or whatever. And the whole movie theater erupts in applause. You remember back in those days when we used to go to movies, and, and, and you had that moment, and isn't that great? Maybe one day we'll have that again. I've even seen people stand and clap, and I'm like, it's a screen. What are y'all doing? The whole thing was rehearsed. It's, it's fake. But, you know, we love it. We love it. We love a good rescue story. We're in a series called Words of a Dying Man where we're looking at the final words that Jesus spoke when he was on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, and what they tell us about Jesus and what those words tell us about us. And what we're going to see today is some of the things that Jesus said, a couple of things in particular he said, help us clue into the fact that our lives are an ongoing rescue story. Because we're going to see Jesus is Savior. We've seen Jesus as human week one, week two. Last week we saw Jesus as son. Today we're going to see Jesus as Savior because that's what saviors do. They rescue people. So I want us to jump right in to the moment when we see Jesus hanging on the cross and being crucified by this angry mob. And what he said was, some of it was, I would say, predictable. But then part of what he said, I find it a bit odd, a bit strange. But it teaches us something very, very powerful. Let's look at it. Jesus is on the cross, dying, literally dying. And he says this to his heavenly father. Father, forgive them. Who? The people who were Murdering him, the people who were crucifying him. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Now that first part, Father, forgive them, that's the part that, that sounds like Jesus. Sounds like something a Savior would say. Sounds like something the Savior of the world would say, even to the people and about the people who were crucifying him. That I get. But this next part, that was, it strikes me as a little odd, right? For they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. What? Immediately inside, I go, wait a second. Of course they know what they're doing. They knew that they were crucifying him. Nobody was there against their will. I mean, some people may have just got caught up in the emotion of the moment and they were just like, what are we all doing? We're going and we're going to crucify this guy. And crucifixions were a normal thing in the first century in the Roman Empire. And so it wasn't odd that this would be happening, but the fact that he would say these people don't know what they're doing, it seems a bit odd. Of course, they got to know, right? They have to know. But what Jesus was saying 
was not that they didn't realize that they were crucifying somebody. What he was saying is they don't understand the depth of what all this means. Father, forgive them. They're clueless about what they're truly doing, who I am, who they are, what this moment is going to mean on the cosmic scale of eternity. Notice what he didn't say. Jesus didn't say, I can't believe you guys are doing this. You wait. I may not come down off this cross right now, but I will come back one day and I will get even. I will have the last laugh. He didn't say anything like that. He didn't even say, come on, guys, you know I'm innocent. I can't believe you're treating me this way. He didn't play the victim card, even though he was certainly being victimized unjustly. No, he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Teaches us something about forgiveness. Now, this is not a sermon on forgiveness, but this teaches us something very powerful about forgiveness. This is very important. This teaches us that forgiveness ultimately is an act of love. You decide to forgive somebody. You choose to forgive them. Forgiveness is an act of love. It's not a reward for someone ultimately fully understanding what they've said or done. Because Jesus said, they don't understand. They don't get it. Father, there's no way that they have an idea of how big this is, but forgive them anyway. Forgiveness is an act of love. It's not a reward for being sorry enough. Get that. And if we could just take that away in our relationships, that forgiveness is an act of love, it's not a reward for people being sorry enough. Now, plan A is that people are sorry. Plan A is that they understand what they said and they understand how they hurt you and they understood what they did. That's plan A. But ultimately, you cannot hang forgiveness on whether or not the people who have wronged you fully and completely get it. Jesus shows us it's an act of love. Forgive them. They don't, they don't have a clue what's really going on here and how big this is. Sounds like a savior. Because in that moment, Jesus was submitting to the bigger picture of what he knew was going on. He was submitting to the bigger picture of him embracing his role as a loving savior. Even reaching out and rescuing those who were murdering him in the moment. He was saying, forgive them. Acting like a savior to those who were taking his life. And ultimately, the scriptures tell us that Jesus laid down his life. Because ultimately, as the Savior, he did that out of love. Self-sacrificing love. Saving people who did not understand what they were doing, know what they were doing, clue into what they were doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Spoken like a true Savior. It's even bigger than that. If we had time, we could even explore this further. Is that they didn't know what they were doing, but Jesus knew what they were doing. And not only did Jesus know what they were doing, Jesus knew everything they had ever done. That's, right? I mean, Jesus looking down at the people who were crucifying him. And he's like, they don't get what they're really doing. I know what they're really doing. And no doubt Jesus could see the individuals and recall every bad, every sin, every wrong that all of them had done. And even collectively, in that moment, Jesus said, in spite of all that, forgive them, Father. 
forgive them. It's an act of love. Because that's what a Savior does. Now, kind of dog-ear that. Think of that. And let's move on to the next thing that Jesus said on the cross that helps us see him as a Savior who rescues people. Even people who don't understand, don't fully get it, are not sorry enough yet. This next thing that Jesus said was actually a part of a conversation that took place between the two criminals crucified on either side of Jesus. When Jesus was crucified, remember, there were three crucifixions happening at the same time. Simultaneously, Jesus was crucified in the middle between two thieves, between two criminals. Again, crucifixions were a normal occurrence, unfortunately, in the first century in the Roman rule. And so this conversation began between the two criminals. Jesus chimed in as well. What we see here is that one criminal hanging beside Jesus said something to Jesus. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. This guy was bold. This guy was brazen. What has he got to lose? He's dying. I mean, there's nothing he could do now. His sentence is sealed. And he's just being reckless with his words and saying, Jesus, if you are who you say you are, come on. Save yourself. And if you're really who you say you are, hey, won't you save us too? Can you imagine that feeling you're feeling right now? Like, how, how dare this guy? I mean, the, the audacity. That's exactly what the other criminal was thinking because he protested. Kind of said back to him, hey, man, don't you fear God? Even, even when your sin is to die, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. We deserve to hang here. I don't know what they had done, and not sure we didn't, we're not giving the rap sheet on these guys. But evidently, it brought them to this point. He's saying, we deserve this. This guy doesn't. And then that criminal said something to Jesus that helps us understand that the light was beginning to come on for him. Even though Jesus said, these people don't know what they're doing, they don't know what they're doing, this guy hanging on this cross beside Jesus was evidently beginning to clue into what was really going on because he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom began to clue into the fact of who Jesus is, who Jesus was, what Jesus was doing, and what it meant for the world. Understanding the difference between him and Jesus, that he was a sinner. He deserved to be there. He just said, we deserve to be here. This guy's innocent. He's done nothing wrong. Beginning to clue into the fact that his time was up. There's no way that he had time to get off the cross and go turn over a new leaf or earn God's forgiveness in any way. He couldn't change his life. He couldn't go back and say, I'm sorry, or undo, or redo. I mean, his sentence was sealed, so to speak. And in dying, the light began to come on for him. And so he said something to Jesus that expressed his acknowledgement of who Jesus was and his trust in Jesus to help him. He said, remember me. As if to say, I don't deserve anything from you. I know who I am and I know who you are. So just remember me. Can you think of me? Keep me in mind when you come into your kingdom. Wait a second. Kingdom, where did that come from? This guy is beginning to put it together. He must be the king of kings. So when you come into your kingdom, I know who you are. 
I believe who you are. Can you just remember me? Watch what happens next. I love this. And Jesus replied, I assure you. In other words, I'll do you one better than that, buddy. Today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in paradise. Now, I don't want us to get too distracted about the paradise part. We have a word for that. Um, it's the word heaven. We don't fully understand it. No one's been there to come back and tell us exactly what it's about. That's the best word we have in our English language is the word heaven. The point of this is the two words, with me. That's the big point. Because anywhere Jesus is and you're with Jesus, I mean, that, that, that's heaven, right? So when we're with him, he was like, dude, I got you. I got you. That was the point. When, when I leave and, and, and I die and you die, we're together. You're going with me. I'm bringing you with me. You are with me. I got you. Man. Because Jesus knew what this guy knew. And Jesus received what this guy believed. This guy began to clue into the fact that Jesus was Savior and Jesus' response was, you're going to be with me. Why would Jesus say that? Well, because Jesus is the Savior who rescues people. Who rescues people. But that, that's a fact. But let me, let me take it a little bit further. He's not just the Savior who rescues people. Jesus is our Savior. It's personal. Who rescues us. And it's not just personal. It's individual. Jesus is my Savior. My Savior. Who rescues me. And he's your Savior. Who wants to rescue you. That's who Jesus is, and that's what Jesus does. Now, immediately, somebody might be sitting there going, yeah, that's great, that's nice to know, but dude, I, I really don't need a rescue. I'm good. I don't need saving. I really am fine. I mean, I'm not perfect, don't get me wrong, but I ain't never killed nobody. I, I don't steal from nobody. I pay my taxes. I, I plan on taking the extra months that we got this week. I plan on taking that, don't get me wrong, but I pay, I pay. And, and, and when old ladies need help crossing the street, I don't know if old ladies do that much anymore, but I help them. I mean, I do what needs to be done. I, I ain't perfect, but I'm a pretty good fellow. I don't, I don't need, now there are some people, <laughs> my, my neighbor, he needs rescuing, right? Like my brother, my brother-in-law. Oh my goodness, but I'm good. I really am good. Thanks for the sentiment though. It's great. That Jesus was a great guy, but I'm, I'm good. I don't need saving. Well, I would say this to you. I think you fall into the category, unfortunately, of the people that Jesus was talking about when he was hanging on the cross, when he said, they don't know. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what's really going on here. They don't get it. They don't understand. And so I would say that to you. If you find yourself saying, I'm good. I don't need a saving. I don't need a rescue. I really don't need a savior. Thank you very much, though. Then you don't get it yet. And my prayer is that you will begin to clue in to the fact that you, too, need a Savior. And, and the truth is, is that all of our stories are rescue stories because we all need a Savior. Or maybe you're thinking, man, I'm already saved. That's good to know, and thanks for the reminder, but I'm already, because I, because I way back, I mean, like in high school uh, youth camp, right? or, or like years ago, or in the way back, I mean, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Now, here's the deal. All of us still need saving. 
Let me show you. Let me talk about this word, this word saved. That's, it's almost like a cliche in, in church circles, in Christian circles, especially in the South. I mean, I grew up in the southern, southeastern United States and, and every church circle I was around, I mean, people throw this, this word around, like, you know, just save, 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 save. Like, what is it? Like, if you know what it is, you know. If you know, you know. And if you don't, it's just like one of, the, one of those weird things, odd things that your Christian friends say kind of thing. What's this all about? Well, here's what I want to show you. That this whole idea of being saved by Jesus, our Savior, is not a box to check. It's a story that you live. It's not a box to check. It's a story to live. Here's what I mean by this. We talk about this idea of saved as something that always happens in the past. Right? I was saved way back when I was a kid or was in high school or back in college, or I got saved. I remember back in youth camp and I remember that moment and they played that song and I cried and it was a special moment and all that. And, and I went forward and I signed something and people were real happy. And, and, and I just remember, yeah, I did that. I did that. And people talk about it almost always past tense, right? Are you saved? Like, has that happened to you? Like it's a box to check, but it's not a box to check. It's a present thing. It's a story that's ongoing, an ongoing rescue to be a part of. This thing saved is not, it's not just something in the past. It's not even just a prayer that you pray. Now hang with me. See, in church circles, in Christian circles, although there's no specific prayer given to us in the Old Testament or the New Testament. There's no special prayer, magical prayer, that if you pray these words and say these words, then that checks the box for you and you're good to go. That's what I grew up thinking. That's what it was about. You prayed this prayer. That you could pray this prayer, and as long as you prayed this certain prayer, then you, you're good to go. The box is checked, and you can get back on living your life, right? You're good to go now. Just in case you die, you prayed that prayer, so you're good to go, man. Go have a nice life. That, that's pretty much the way it was taught. That's the way pretty much people treated it, but, it, but it's not. Just some special prayer, magical prayer. It creates a false finish line for people. As if to say, well, all you got to do is say that prayer. Pray that prayer. No, this whole idea of being saved is not a box. It's not a box to check. It, it, it's a story. It's present day reality. It's something that is happening. Yes, here's the deal. I am saved. Let me just talk about me. Because I am being saved. It's happening still. Because I don't know about you, but there's a whole heck of a lot about me that still needs saving. I hadn't arrived yet. I haven't crossed the finish line yet. I'm still quite a piece of work on a lot of days, okay? Yeah, especially the days y'all ain't looking. Can, can you identify with that? I'm not just saved. I am being saved. It is a present-day reality. Because, see, there's things that, that Jesus saves me from, and there are things that Jesus saves me for. There are things that Jesus saves us from, and things that Jesus saves us for. He saves us from our sin. He saves us from ourselves. He saves us from this world. All oh, this big, bad, nasty world that we live in sometimes. It's so hard. 
and he saves us for some things. He saves us for the purposes for which he created us to live out. He saves us for a relationship with him. So many times Jesus told his disciples, listen, I want you and I to abide together. I want us to remain together. I want us to be in close contact together. That's what Jesus saves us for. Bottom line is, Jesus does not save us just for heaven one day when we croak. No, he saves us for today. For today, for now. We are being saved by the Savior. Now, now, let me clarify. There's never a moment when you don't need saving. Although, listen very carefully. I don't want to confuse anybody. There obviously is a point in everybody's life where they come to that knowledge. And the light comes on. Ding, 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 ding. It begins to make sense for them. And they begin to embrace it personally. That traditionally as what has been called as someone getting saved. But it creates a false finish line. Because <laughs> really, you ain't finished nothing yet. It's just starting through that reality, you understanding the work of Jesus. Now, some of you may be there right now that is just beginning to clue in. You're just beginning to understand. And that's a wonderful place to be. Embrace that. But it's not a box to check because it continues. It continues on. Because there's never a day when I don't need saving. There's never a day that you don't need saving daily. Saving us from things. Saving us for things. I always need a Savior. Here's the deal. Every one of us need a Savior. And all of our stories are really rescue stories. So, let me ask you a question. It's a very natural question. It's an obvious question. It just kind of presents itself. So let's just go there together. Are you trusting Jesus as your Savior? He's not just the Savior. He's not just our Savior. He is your Savior. Are you trusting him to be that? Notice the present tense of that question, not past tense. I didn't say, have you trusted? Did you check that box one day way back when? Are you good? Like, did you say those words and all that and you're good to go? No, 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 no. Are you now? Present tense. I can't tell you how many times Throughout the years as a pastor, I would talk with people and they're struggling with doubt and fear and worry around this issue. I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm saved. I'm just doubting my salvation. I don't know. Cause okay, well, what, tell me about that. Well, when I was a kid, I prayed this prayer, but I don't remember. I don't remember what I said. And I don't remember if I said the right words and maybe I got them out of order. Maybe I didn't get them all right. And, and maybe I didn't mean it. Maybe I didn't mean it well enough. And I'm just like, oh, how miserable it is for people. When we go through that, and it's like, what is it? Do we think that when we get to heaven one day, there's going to be like, wait, check, check the log, see if they prayed the prayer, prayed the prayer. Yep, he prayed a prayer, but oh, he only got 50% of it right. I don't know. Committee, prayer committee, can we look into this matter? 50, you only got half the words got them out of order. Oh, I got them out of order. Oh, okay. Then sincerity committee, can we see if they really meant it, if they fully understood? Can just only 40%, 40%, that's better than 30. We let the last guy in on 30 It's funny, isn't it? We've created this false finish line of pray this prayer, say these words. Here's the deal. Jesus is our Savior. Do you believe that? And are you embracing that for yourself? It's a yes or no question. 
There's no special magical words. There's no special prayer to pray. Now, now here's the deal. It comes back to one question. Are you trusting Jesus now? Present tense. Now. Present tense. That solved, that'll solve the doubt problem right there. That, that, that solves it because that's the only question. The only question is not did you. Did you check the box? What was that like? Did you cry? Did you not? Did you mean it? Did you not? What was all that? I can't remember. Right now, are you trusting in Jesus as your Savior, realizing that your story is an ongoing, real life in a way that movies can't portray rescue story. Maybe for the first time, that's like coming to you and like, yes, I get it, I get it. Well, then tell God that. Tell God that. I mean, if I were to say, repeat these words after me, then it would all become about, about the words that you were repeating after me. So I don't do that. We don't do that. Scriptures didn't ask us to do that. It's basically you coming to the point where you express that to God in your own words. You just say, God, I get it. And man, do I want that. Man, do I need saving. I believe Jesus is my Savior and that my story is a rescue story and that he is saving me. It's that simple. It really is that simple. I don't know why we make it so hard. I guess because we don't believe that something so incredible can be that simple. It doesn't mean it's easy because it cost Jesus his life, but it is simple. Tell him in your own words. And it does help us. It does help us to mark a moment, doesn't it? To kind of mark a moment, to look back on. And remember, that's where the whole pray the prayer thing came about anyway. It's to help people mark a moment. But you know what? God has already given us a moment that we can mark together. A symbol. A symbol. It's called baptism. Where publicly, we go public with the fact that we have embraced Jesus as our Savior and we want to let the world know it. That's what baptism is about. That's how we mark that moment that we can look back on as human beings and go, I remember. I remember when I publicly proclaimed the fact that I know Jesus is not the Savior, but I know he's my Savior. And for those of you that are sitting there going, oh man, I've been following Jesus for years, years. Here's the deal. You will never, ever, ever outgrow your need for a Savior. Never. You will never, ever outgrow, not on this earth, not on this side of eternity, your need to be saved from things and for things. This process of trusting Jesus is an ongoing process. Let me just say it like this. For me, I know Jesus is the Savior, but I feel like I'm constantly learning what it means more and more and more for him to be my Savior. And learning what it means to trust him. Learning what it means to trust him and then follow him. I feel like I'm learning more and more and more because my life is an ongoing rescue story. And, and by the way, let's just fast forward. Let's fast forward to paradise. Let's fast forward to when he makes all things new. Let's fast forward to heaven. Do you know what heaven is about? It's a huge celebration of all of the rescue stories where all humanity comes to their feet and applauds. Not a movie, but a real life rescue effort that was succeeded by the Savior. See, Jesus is Savior. And every one of us needs saving because all of our stories are rescue stories. Stories of how Jesus wants to save us, has been saving us, is saving us, and will continue 
to save us. And the turning point of our lives, the turning point of my life and your life and any of our lives comes when the light begins to come on and we realize this is not about checking a box. It's about embracing who Jesus is as our Savior. Just like what we'll hear in Tanya's story. Check this out. I grew up Catholic, and that means that you check a whole lot of boxes. And I mean, you have to be good, and you have to go to church, and you gotta go on holy days, and you gotta eat this, and you gotta eat not that, and all these kinds of things. And so it was a big thing in my house to be Catholic, to the point where we went to Disney World, and my mom's like, hey, it's Sunday. We gotta go to church. We gotta check that box. And that's how I grew up. Religion, church, Jesus, all that was just kind of like a box to check. You did it because you had to do it. So I'm an adult, I have my first job, I'm living on my own, and I am doing life the way that I think life should be done, which is how many good boxes can I check versus how many bad boxes I'm not checking, right? This is how you do life. If you do more good box checks than bad box checks, then things are good. And then I met someone who went to a different kind of church, a different kind of denomination. And they brought me around their friends. And these people were just different. They talked a little bit differently to each other. Their life focus was different. How they dealt with problems was different. And really the only way I can say it is, instead of checking a box, they just didn't even deal with boxes anymore. It was Life was too big for a box to check. And I thought to myself, that's interesting. I don't know if I can do that, but that's interesting. And then I went to a wedding of these group of friends and the groom comes out before anything starts. And he says, thank you for coming to the wedding. But really, this is more about a celebration, not of our marriage, but our worship of our God. And I was like, Dude, it is all about the girl in the big white dress. I don't know what you're talking about, but I know that it's all about the girl who's about to walk down the aisle and all the things that go with it. And the wedding started and it was an hour of worship service. And by the end of that hour of worshiping God, I was done. <laughs> I was done. I wanted to not check boxes for the rest of my life wanted to talk like they talked and I wanted to have a relationship that they had with whoever that was that was going to make their life different. On the steps of that church, I say, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want my life to be different. I know that my life can be better than what the world tells me that it can be because these people are living a very different life. And their whole life was, we're going to love everyone and we're going to give the respect and kindness. And I don't mean just kindness like nice, I mean like I'm gonna see your need and I'm gonna meet your need and then I'm gonna meet the next need that you didn't even ask me about. You know, there's lots of people who help people, but they did it with such a real like love, not like, hey, what am I gonna get for this? And I had never seen that up close before. You can read the Bible all day long and there's lots of great stories in there and there's lots of great principles and there's lots of great examples. But when you're seeing it play out in real life, it's a totally different thing. And then I thought, hey, light bulb, like I can do that. Like Jesus can enable me to do that. He can use me in that way. I think people think, you know, 
I can just live a decent life and it's gonna be a good life and it's gonna be enough. But really, without Jesus to reshape my thoughts, to reshape my heart, to reshape my words, to help me see circumstances in the way that he would see them, your life just kind of like really pales in comparison if you don't have that. He has reshaped my heart. He has reshaped how I think. He has reshaped why I do things, why I don't do things. And that has made a life that is so much better than anything that I thought I could have. All of our stories are different. The details, the circumstances. The specifics of our rescue stories are not the same, but yet the truth remains. All of us need a savior. All of us need saving because all of our stories are rescue stories. And I don't know what God, I don't know what God will use. I don't know what God is using to bring you to that point. Often God will use good things. Interesting how God uses good things. Good things will happen in your life and the light begins to come on and you're just like, wait a second, I didn't do this. Somebody else must be at work in my life. I need to consider, I need to consider the bigger picture. Often, and even more often, it's bad things in life, difficult things, suffering and pain, tragedy. That when these things happen, God uses them to bring us to a point where we realize, wait a second, life is more important than these things. I need to consider what matters most. And whether it's good things or bad things or even something like a wedding that brings you to the point where the light begins to come on. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Jesus is Savior. And this is not about checking a box to say, been there, done that. This is about being saved. <laughs> Knowing he is my Savior every day. There's never a day that I don't need saving. There's never a day that I don't need a savior. And then reaching out in trust and embracing Jesus for yourself. Again, if this is the first time in your life where this is beginning to make sense, congratulations, that's a great place to be. Express this, express that. I invite you to tell God to pray in your own words, however you wanna say it, right where you are, wherever you are, watching online or with us here today in person, just say, God, yes, I believe who Jesus is and that he is my savior and I wanna embrace him as my savior. And for those of you who have been living in that reality for many years, trusting and following Jesus, perhaps you just need a reminder that you haven't outgrown your need for a savior either. There's never a day that you don't need saving. And may this bring you back to the reality that every day you live when your feet hit the floor, you are living a real life ongoing story of rescue. Not about how you saved yourself or you pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps or you're figuring it out. No, no, no. About how your story ultimately is dependent upon the Savior, the Savior. 
doing for you what you could never do for yourself, forgiving you when you didn't know what you were doing, you didn't understand the depth, you couldn't even be sorry enough, and for proclaiming to you that you can be and will be with him today, tomorrow, and forever. Live in that reality. It'll change the way you follow Jesus. It'll change the way you follow Jesus. When you stop seeing it like a box that you checked and realize this is an ongoing thing every day. Let's thank him together. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for giving yourself at the hands of an angry mom who did not know what they were doing, who could not even begin to process the depth of what was going on. You forgave them and provided forgiveness for everybody that follows, including us. You are our Savior. You are my Savior. May those in this room and watching online that are cluing into that for the very first time and is beginning to really make sense to them, may they embrace you as their Savior in their own words, expressing it however they know to best. It's not about the words we say. It's about what's going on inside of us. And you know, you read that story very well. I ask that many of my friends will be reaching out to you as Savior. And for all of my brothers and sisters who've been journeying with you for years, may we never lose sight of the fact that we need saving every single day from things and for things, and that it's not just about heaven one day, it's about here and now. As you are fully engaged in this ongoing rescue story that we're caught up in, thank you for being our Savior. And may we trust you and follow you each day as just that, Savior of the world, the Savior of our world. In Jesus' name, amen.